Wave Radio. They would really do it. I don't think that's something that Marvel would uh, would really like to dredge up. Nor do I think Sam Raimi, who's now working with Marvel, would want to see that dredged <laughs> no, up either. <laughs> I think he wants. Uh, he, he wants... comes on the set to stop them. So for Grace stare for the day, and he's like, "Please, no, Topher, Topher, I'm begging leave. you. You gotta go. You <laughs> gotta leave. You you gotta leave. I don't. Want, I, I don't want this. No one wants this." <laughs> Why does Sam Raimi all of a sudden sound like Will- Woody Allen? Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't not sound like Woody Allen. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Welcome to Super Movie Bros. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave, and it's quiet again. That's because Jay's not here, because again, he didn't watch the thing that I watched, and I needed someone to talk about movies and trailers with, so I got my friend, Aaron Melzak. How's it going, buddy? How's it going? Surviving. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty much my go-to answer anymore, and everyone's like, how you doing? I always go to let Sean of the Dead. Surviving. Glad somebody's making it. (laughs) All right, so we got a show. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't be a recording if we didn't have a show, but we're going to be doing reviews for a Christmas movie that just came out on HBO Max like three weeks ago. I say just as if like it's fresh, hot off the presses, but came out like three weeks ago. Uh, but with all the other stuff that we had to review, Welcome to Raccoon City, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is my most anticipated movie practically of forever and all time, um, <laughs> uh, we, it kind of fell to the wayside. So we're going to be doing that tonight as well as doing a trailer park breakdown for spider-man across the spider-verse part one which is just a a part of that trailer that made me lose my mind and, and geek out completely because i could not wait for a spider-man into the spider-verse sequel now i just found out we're gonna get two of them back to back yes please yes yes please, yes, please. absolutely but before we get into breaking that down we gotta get ourselves into what are you watching what are you watching what are we watching she's trying to watch some illegal channel what are we watching i don't know go past this past this part in fact never play this again all right let's get started with you malzak man what have you been watching what'd you get down to watching before we get into 8-bit christmas anything else uh, that you've been enjoying out there in the uh streaming verse because i don't think anyone watches shit on network television anymore <laughs> do they uh, I actually do a little bit. Um, I do watch the Connors, which is the uh, spinoff show from Roseanne. That's like one of the only uh, network. How is how is it how is it sans Roseanne? It's hit and miss. Uh, they do focus a lot on Darlene and her kids, uh, especially considering that you know Sarah Gilbert's the producer and main. Sh- practically main showrunner of the show but it doesn't Fair. do okay. horribly but it definitely does have that that missing uh part with with no more roseanne and the show has to be really really bad for me to just stop and in the middle of it and not like in the middle of it, right, through. I like walking dead has kind of done that a couple times where i've been like i'm done i feel like i'm done and then i just end up going back anyways which i'm probably years. gonna I left, end up going i back. left walking dead behind years ago i'm well, gonna I'm, end up finishing I mean, like, it just because i want to see how the show finishes it finishes it compared to the comics 
but I know they've gotten to the new world. Yeah. So in the show, which is a really cool part of the comics, but then it's also like I'm like, all right, so it's it's coming to an end. Oh wait, but also, where's Rick? Yeah, he's not in it. That that does not yeah, jive with and, me. Carl. That does not jive with me. And the Rick spinoffs um, have literally nothing but crickets in the last year or two. They, yeah, they dried up. Uh, I don't know if that's going to end up happening or not. Or, but I mean, as far as I know, Andrew Lincoln is still contracted from. It seems like it is because they started that one where it follows all the kids like traveling across the country yeah. during the zombie apocalypse, and they started in one of those, in one of those like um, you know pockets of society that they discovered still existed. Now the show is terrible. Yeah, world uh, beyond, and it gets I awful reviews. World beyond. Yeah. Yeah, um, I watched the first episode and I was like, "This is exactly like Riverdale, <laughs> just with zombies." I read an article that, that said that that, sound cool. that eventually caught up to like around the end of season one of the original show, and where they actually met up with the the doctor at the CDC that they all run into at the end of the first season. Spoilers if uh, you okay. haven't watched Walking Dead, but. Um, if yeah, you haven't the, watched the, the, the show that premiered who, in 2011, who in this world has not watched, watched at least the first season of The Walking Dead, right? And um, if you weren't, if you if you haven't, you you never were. So, <laughs> so and, and but the the person who wrote the article was like, "You're not missing anything on this show. It's not good. You know, don't watch it unless you absolutely must consume everything to do with The Walking Dead." And like nope. they used a, a Robert Kirkman quote about about what his thoughts were about Walking Dead spinoffs, and I'm like. Dude, you may not like them, but you're still going to approve of them because you want money. Well, I mean, George Railroad Martin's been doing the same exact thing <laughs> yeah. over there. Um, so <laughs> True, true. Where's my book, George? I mean, he, where's my book? Where's my book? Where's my book? And where's my long night TV show that's been canceled? Uh, Y'all spent $30 yeah. million dollars to make that pilot. I was pilot, really looking forward to happening. that, man. That, I, that's the spinoff that I wanted. Yep. And then they're like, it's, it's, we're going to do the Dance of Dragons. And it's like, I've read Fire and Blood. It's a, it's, it's a good read if you're into reading alternate world textbooks. And they, and they invested the money in a name actress getting Naomi Watts. And then they're, they're going to end up just. And you know, part of that thirty million is her paycheck. Oh, absolutely! Like, like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised she, she, if she, she, if she got like five or ten million of that. Yeah, she went to Belfast, filmed that for for a couple weeks, and then they they probably paid her, you know, a couple mil to be in that show, and she probably laughed all the way to the bank, and she's like, "Thank God, not I don't have to go back to Belfast every year, freeze my ass off and- to film this." thing about ice zombies <laughs> and, and it's not like they they weren't willing to just go back to the well and redo it like they did the the, the first episode of game of thrones you know the they pilot episode of game of thrones they didn't like they went back to the well no, they yeah. restarted it, it got shelved for three years uh and then they went back to it and, and redid and everything maybe that's what happened to this maybe they'll they'll get the the uh targaryen show I'll get a season or two done of that show, and they'll be like, "Okay, let's try Long Night again." No, they've they've released an entire slate of television shows that have already been greenlit, and it is it is not on there. And I don't think they're going to put the money behind it. A lot of them, like the Duncan Egg, um, that has been that that's been greenlit for uh, some miniseries on HBO. Um, so the tales of Duncan Egg going through some of their adventures, and then uh, there's a bunch of animated ones. There's one that takes place um, in Lease, I believe. There's one that takes place um, sailing around Westeros and stuff like that. There's another one that's called Flea Bottom Tales, which is just a, most of these are animated and stuff, but they have them all. And 
listed out that that the, these are all coming. It's like nine shows in total in the Game of Thrones universe, but the Long Night is not one of them. And apparently, like the guy who's in charge of like what gets greenlit and what happens over at HBO, I can't remember his name now, but uh, apparently he saw the pilot and was just like for for the Long Night and was like. It's just not coming together. It doesn't feel like Game of Thrones. It doesn't look like Game of Thrones. It's not because it's, it's not, not um, Game of Thrones. It's not <laughs> meant to be, you know, king kings and and no, it's the Age yeah, of Heroes. It's, it's like it's, it's prior to the king. It's prior to the Targaryens, even like yeah. I think at that point in the story, the Andals are just arriving oh, yeah. in Westeros at this point. So then, and they're only in. I in wanted the south more children the of the forest, and this was the way we we're going to get it. Was was I wanted tongue. to find out what the tie was between the Starks and the uh, and the and the and the Night's King, right? Because there's there's clearly a tie there. There's something going on. There's a reason he's such a powerful warg, and so were all the Starks. Like, come on, it can't just be that they're that they have the blood of the first men. But anyway, uh, <laughs> stay on target. Stay on target. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm very upset that that show isn't coming, but I am. I'm still looking forward to to Dance of the Dragons because, at the very least, I think what HBO is getting from that is they're getting that political intrigue, like that. I think people enjoyed so much with Game of Thrones. And, You're getting a lot of and it's the powerful people backstabbing powerful people. And it's the it's the one story in Martin's history that the fan that they know the fans want the most. Other than yes. the long night. This is the next best thing the fans could get is they want to see the Dance of Dragons. Yeah. And apparently there is also a um, a stage play coming for Robert's Rebellion that is being like produced by HBO, but it'll be like a, a stage play. It'll and it, it's not going to be on HBO Max. It's going to be, you know, touring cities and stuff. Well, as long as they don't uh, f- as long as they don't screw it up like the like the cursed child was the i'm happy with whatever they whatever i read content. that i did too i read I that read like a really was, awful ooh. fanfic oh it was bad yeah it was bad I, but i, I actually read... just picked up the james potter series um which apparently i hear it's not obviously it's not canon it's not official but it's written by written by another author um jk rowling agreed to allow him to to write these books as long as he didn't make profit off of James, them. Oh, James so Potter series, Gene Norman Lip, yeah. Lippert, I think Lippin, is his name. Lipton. Yeah. yeah I, he, something like that. I, the, I think he, he got a cease and desist letter from Rawlings, Rawlings uh, company or either Warner Brothers or something like that. And they said, as long as you don't try to actually sell it, you're fine. We'll just treat it as fanfic. I don't think he actually talked to JK herself, which would have been very surprising if they did. But yeah, I've, I've heard of it. I, I have the fan fix, but I'm like, uh, I'll get to supposedly it. Supposedly they're good. Uh, yeah, supposedly they're good, but better than a cursed child. So um, anyway, that's, that was a fun little nerdy, nerdy side <laughs> that we took, that we took there. It was fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll bring up Hawkeye then, yes. you know, you, uh, so uh, I am in love with this show. I don't know if it's my favorite MCU show that they've done so far because um, it's not hitting me with the feels, you know, the way Falcon and Winter Soldier did um, and the way that WandaVision did uh, or even the way that Loki did. Like, yeah. It's not it's not hitting it's, me in the heartstrings yet, but we're only episode four, so got plenty of time. It's not adding a lot to the mythos in the MCU, but it looks like for a character that has not had the center stage, 
in all the movies, it looks like Jeremy Renner's having a, a huge ball with it. And I, I love Haley Steinfeld. I'll watch her in anything. So the I two of that. them together yeah, is just it's it's great. And I'm and there's a ton to like geek out about on the show because there's tons of little references back to things like I know I mentioned it in in my first in my episodes one and two breakdown, but like I still crack up at the fact that like they're they're watching the Rogers the musical and there's an <laughs> Ant Man there and he's like that guy wasn't even there and then you stop and think and go wait a minute in some alternate history yes he was yeah he was there Paul Rudd <laughs> Paul Rudd sitting and watching the first first episode he's like hey I wasn't even there but I could have been nobody was because they went back in time in Endgame yeah, that's true. to the Battle of New York so he was there so <laughs> it's possible <laughs> that with some that with some, you know, multiverse of badness and uh, Doctor Strange shenanigans, some people are remembering alternate timelines. Just saying. I wouldn't put it past Marvel to be hiding little Easter eggs like that in there. But, uh, I mean, most recently, a, um, a you know, a, a big a big post credit scene, I'll say, without kind of spoiling it, has come to roost. Uh, you know, we, we, we left off with Black Widow with Yelena Belova looking right. over uh, Natasha's grave and asking how she died. And, you know, she was told by uh, Allegra, shit, Valentina, whatever, dude. She's got such a long <laughs> she fucking does. name. Val. She was told Val. by Val uh, that, that, that she was killed by Clint Barton. And I was. Everyone was just like, "Man, when's she gonna pop up again?" Oh, there's a Hawkeye series coming up. You think she's gonna pop up in that? Most deaf. Um, so maybe she does or doesn't show up in episode four. I'm not saying. I think the only episode that I really haven't liked so far was the third episode. That's the one where they kind of like wake up, uh, tied up to the to the ducky and the uh, and and the and the horse and stuff like that. And they're they're with the tracksuit mafia, the bros, and um, I. I really like the scene where they are. It's it's the extended scene that we saw at D23 where they're firing arrows at the Trusta Bro uh, truck and everything like that. And I really like the camera work there, how the camera's like panning around the car and stuff like that. It feels very much like a like a like Hawkeye's hallway scene, right. like to to bring it back, like old Netflix and stuff like that. Because uh, there's no cuts or anything like oh, that. The, or you no mean Daredevil no hallway scene. scene. Yeah, well, yeah, the the, the old Netflix Marvel because everyone had a hallway scene back yeah. then. You know, you. I mean, the Punisher had the best one. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Daredevils was fucking dope in, in the first season. But by the time you got to the Punisher season one and he's in jail and he fights off all those dudes. And oh, is that that might be Daredevil season two? I don't remember. But he fights off all those dudes and it's just a f- absolute bloodbath. And I was like, wow, Punisher has the best, just the absolute best hallway scene. Uh, but it's kind of like that. But then. I don't know. This, it it kind of got to me like it, it got like the trick arrows and stuff like that started to get to me a little bit where it's just like um, I thought they were fun and stuff. And I thought it was a huge surprise when she fires an arrow and he hits it with a with a with a pin particle yeah. arrow and makes it like massive and stuff like that. But like the CGI just didn't work for me there for some reason. I was like watching. And I was like, man, that's I don't know. Maybe they went too big. Like I I really like Hawkeye as like this this street level guy. And having like that stuff, it's it's a fun little surprise and stuff like that. But it almost feels like 
disingenuous to a character. Like, you know, an, an, an arrow that blows up, an arrow that's a grappling hook, an arrow that's a suction cup, that's all fine. But then he's throwing, like, acid arrows and, like, all this other stuff. And I, I had to sit there and think about the practicality of it where I was just like, you know, the, he sends he sends Kate Bishop on a mission to go get his trick arrows back and stuff from the police. And I was like, when are you going to have time to sit down and, like, refill all those? Do you just carry? <laughs> and like, how does he know which like one's which? Like, is, is it the tip yeah. that he looks at? Like, what, what tells him which one does what? Yeah, because uh, in, in Avengers, the, the one time we saw him, like, you know, rotating that that fancy quiver that he has, he has a button on his on yeah. his uh, bow where, like, he's selecting what he's grabbing and he reaches back and grabs it. Here, I don't know how he knows. I guess it's just luck of the draw. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sitting there and I was I was wondering, he's getting all these trick arrows back and stuff like that. And I was like, did you, like, I you're, you're Clint Barton, so you didn't fly private out to New York. You flew you flew commercial. So you had to go through TSA. How'd you get the acid through TSA? How'd you get any of this? Through? How'd you get any of How'd this? How'd you get the exploding one through TSA? It's yeah. like a freaking, bu- I mean, car- in post nine 11 world, how are you carrying a mini bomb with you on a plane? I'm just going to have to suspend my belief there and just assume that happy Hogan sent a private jet out to Idaho or Iowa, wherever or he, he had some like stash that he kept while, when, when the That's, tower, when they were still in the tower, that is possible. <laughs> or, I mean, he did, we, we do know now that he operated as Ronan in New yeah. York city for some time. So it's very possible. He stashed a lot of Hawkeye stuff there. So, all right. All right. Uh, we 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 wrote them out of that corner. <laughs> we we did the legwork for the writers. There. And, <laughs> so. and then uh, the do do we want to talk about the rumor that's still rolling around? With we can the talk about show? the rumor about how yeah. it, there might be mentioned... a, a certain bald, uh, big mafioso type guy that could be uh, the quote unquote uncle of Echo in the show that could be coming now, back. Look. Un- un- unfortunately, Michael Clark Duncan's dead, oh, so we'll never that, get that, that version yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> I would, dude, I'd fucking love it if that was the kingpin that came back. Yeah, uh, I, although <laughs> uh, I don't want to see anybody in that role now, other than Vincent D'Onofrio. He he was made for that role. So there, there's a line that's dropped uh, from from one of the tracksuit bros. He's kind of like the lieutenant to to Maya, um, who is she'll she'll in the future she'll be a superhero. She will take on the mantle of Ronan. Blah blah blah. Um, but she's known as Echo right now. And he kind of says that, like, you know, it, he answers to his uncle. And it's just it's just very, like, left up to that. And you it, it's it's almost too much of a red herring to assume that his uncle is, is Jack Duquesne um, because Jack. But you do find out that Jack Duquesne is the CEO of of the, the, the trust of bro corporation, stuff like that. The 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 money laundering corporation that that essentially is set up uh, to to launder all the money for the tracksuit mafia. But. Um, it, a lot of people have just speculated that no, that's not who he's talking about. He's talking about Wilson Fisk, the kingpin. And then a lot of people have just gone way off the rails with it and have been like all these fan theories where it's like, well, maybe Wilson Fisk was blipped, and when he came back, there was new people in power, and he's got to start from the from you know from the bottom up and all this stuff. And um, that's why, like right now, he's running like the tracksuit. Mo- uh, you know, mafia and stuff like that. And he's got some other underlings in there, but he's crawling his way back up to the top, but he's still Wilson fucking Fisk. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of people doing that. And then of course, Vincent D'Onofrio, I guess just ever, uh, it's probably something that his publicist told him to do, but he's ever the opportunist. Uh, he's been kind of like teasing people like on Twitter (laughs) pretty much. 
just well, like responding we know he to people loves the character. who are... We know that he's very he close does. to the character. He's not just an actor that's playing a part for for the paycheck. Like he has a respect for Wilson Fisk. He was a he was a fan before he was the man. And but I, just to add credence to this, Kevin Feige in an interview just this week said that Charlie Cox will return to the MCU. And when he does, he will be Daredevil. He doesn't yeah. know when that is or what uh, you know what movie it'll be in. Like he just knows that he, that they will get Charlie Cox back as Daredevil. Now, people who have watched all the spoiler stuff that's going on with Spider-Man No Way Home and have listened to an episode that, that me and Jay did. I did put up a spoiler warning before I said it. Charlie Cox might be coming back sooner rather than later. But to add that credence to it, if Charlie Cox is back as Daredevil and in the MCU, well, then ergo. Other people Vincent from the Netflix MCU-verse could potentially come back too. Or not, if you didn't like them, like Iron Fist. Iron Fist is the only one that I would say take him. You know, take take him away. I I don't I don't care if Iron he doesn't Fist come back. Such a good ending. It's such a good ending for for season two, and it, and it made me so jazzed for season three. And then they canceled. Yeah. Um. But uh, so Wilson Fisk more than likely will be back. Whether it's going to be in this show though, I'm not sure. But he he will. You know, Donofrio's Wilson Fisk will be back at some point. But yeah, there's also uh, John Bernthal has been getting asked a lot about whether he's going to return to the MCU. And he had a much more, uh, how do I put this, like actor's statement towards it, where he was just like, I love that character. However, I got to play that character the way that that character was meant to be portrayed. And this is paraphrasing. So if I am to return, they have to be portraying the character in a way that's true to that character. So reading between the lines is he needs to be rated fucking R. Yeah. He needs to be covered in blood and he needs to be fucking blown. And, heads but, off. And, but if they're going to be willing to do that with Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. They should be willing to be willing to do that with Bernthal and Punisher. But then it's hard to cross him over with anybody. He just exists on Hulu all on his own, doing his own thing and not really crossing over. Unless like when he crosses over, it's like, all right, you're PG-13 here. So like you'll still shoot people, but like we won't see you shooting people. You know what you mean? Like you'll, you'll shoot somebody. There won't to, be any to, to walk yeah, that line. There's ways to do it. I mean, it. if they're willing to put up a Beatles documentary where the Beatles are cursing left and right, top and bottom on Disney Plus, they can find. Yeah, but a it's way the Beatles; they're bigger than line. Jesus. So, but you know, Marvel's <laughs> their bread and butter, though. That's that's making. I I would be very surprised if there's anything making as much money for Disney as Marvel movies are compared to the rest of their properties, other than Star Wars. Well, I mean, Star Wars makes them the money with the um. With the toy sales, yeah, merchandising and stuff like that. The, definitely, the, but the, the, the movies, the movies are not making close to a billion dollars a piece like Marvel movies are. <laughs> no, no, least, no. Marvel is definitely carrying them in the entertainment wing, but I think I think Star Wars is still their 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 breadwinner when it comes to when it comes to merchandising. So that's gonna do it for what we've been watching this week. I think it's time that we really get the show underway, and we're gonna do a brief review for Eight Bit Christmas. Every kid has that one gift they want more than anything for Christmas. This is the story of mine. Bookends? They have baseballs on them. I see that. No, not those. Nintendo. 
a maze of rubber wiring and electronic intelligence so advanced it was deemed not a video game, but an 8-bit entertainment system. So 8-bit Christmas starring NPH. <laughs> Doogie Howser <laughs> never be. I'll never be ever able to separate him from essentially being NPH in Howard and Kumar. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris? Yup. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a mixture of Doogie Hauser and his character from uh, How I Met Your Mother. He will always be one of Barney those. Barney Stinson? Two. He'll always be Barney. I request the highest of fives. Yeah. <laughs> that was a... When I, I remember when I first watched How I Met Your Mother. I think it. I think it had been like a couple seasons in, and he and I watched it simply because he was in it, and I'm like, this is an unusual character for him, but I love it, and that's the only reason I continued watching that show and its highs and its lows, and also because Allison Hannigan's in it, who's I'm also a huge Buffy fan, so I'll follow her anywhere as well. I was going to say, uh, speaking of Joss Whedon, um, I mean, Neil Patrick Harris was also Dr. Dr. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, th- during the writer's strike, which I absolutely loved. It's so hard to go back and like Joss Whedon stuff these days, though. But it certainly is. Yeah, we'll get over that. Yeah, and so, <laughs> we'll get over that. So now MPH is, you know, good golden anything he stars in, which, uh, which is probably why he chose to pick up this movie. He's like, you know what? It's a paycheck. <laughs> it, it was yeah. a. It was a. It was not a bad movie. I wouldn't say it was. Uh, it was definitely not one I would probably would have gone to gone to see in the theater. Um, I definitely wouldn't have seen this in the movie theaters. I I often don't go see holiday movies in the movie theaters because I like. I always talk about movie experience and stuff like that, and I like to watch movies my way. And unfortunately, when I go to a theater, I don't really get to watch movies my way. Like, yeah, you can get the big theater. You can get the reclining chairs and stuff like that. You can have ultimate comfort and stuff like that. But you can't control the people around you. When I watch movies at my house, I can control the people around me. Shut up, child. You're being too loud. Here's your tablet. Go in the other room. Daddy's trying to watch his movie. Shut the fuck up. And they listen. But when I'm at the movie theaters and the kid behind me is kicking seats or throwing popcorn or like the, the worst thing, when you have assigned seats, you go to find them and the teenagers are sitting there and it's a rated R movie and you know that they didn't buy tickets for that movie, but they're still going to sit there and then you tell them you're going to go get the manager and they're like, that's fine, go get them. And I'm like, you know how this is going to end. Why do we have to do this? So it's like this, this has happened to me so many times. I've recounted the tales on, on, uh, on, uh, on the show before, but I don't like really going to the movie theaters that much. I'm a big proponent of watching shit at home and watching shit at home allows me to watch things like eight bit Christmas where I saw the trailer uh, before it came out on HBO max. And I was like, I'll check that out eventually. Yeah, like that's the way I thought about that was, it. I'll check it that out. That was my feeling eventually. as well. I was, I was like, it, you know what? It wasn't one of those movies that was only going to be on HBO max for like a couple weeks that was in theaters, but also on HBO max because of COVID it was going to be one of those that was always going to be on HBO max. And I'm like, I have plenty of time to go see it at some point to, you know, one day I'll be bored and, and watch it. And yeah, maybe even next Christmas. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> I might catch it. <laughs> might not even maybe even Christmas. Christmas in July. Maybe, maybe even then. But so, I mean, what, what the story of 8-Bit Christmas is, if you, if you haven't checked out the trailers or you're not sure you don't have HBO Max, it is the story of a little boy who wants nothing more than to have an NES, uh, Nintendo entertainment system uh and it's the year's 1980 something they do the whole goldberg's thing where it's like it was 1980 something you know late 80s and it, it essentially is a modern retelling of 
a Christmas story. Instead of looking for a Red Rider BB gun, he's looking for an NES. The parents are completely against him having this NES, so he has to he has to find his own way of of getting it. And what follows is just him and his friends being completely obsessed with getting an NES and the trials and tribulations that they go through. But also there's tons of like, you know, little tropes and stuff, things that things that bring you back to a time like where I think like, you know, me watching it now, I'm the age of 35 watching this, I remember a lot of the stuff that they drop in this movie. Like mm-hmm. the gloves that change color when they touch snow and stuff like that. I had them and they were dope. They were awesome. I if they still made them today, I would buy them. And if they do, I need a listener to send me a link on Amazon so that I can purchase them because I definitely would. But what I really enjoyed about this movie was the fact that I watched it with my daughter and she thought that this was hilarious. <laughs> like the juvenile humor of it was just an, like I equate it to that of like a Disney Channel sitcom, right? Where it's like yeah, it's 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 cheesy and a lot of the jokes are are pretty dopey and stuff like that, but a few of them will make you laugh. Like David Cross's character made me laugh. He, he made the movie for me. Bit. He made the movie for me. Like it it, yeah. it probably would have gotten a lot less of a reaction than if he was in it. His character albeit in it very little. Well, he was in it at most maybe 5 6 minutes. But very key, very, key. very pivotal. Yeah. In an unusual yeah. way. So there's a lot to enjoy here. And I think like here in the Christmas season and stuff like that, you know, I don't like watching a Christmas story anymore. Like I've I, I, I've said like I, I don't like it. There was a time where I did like it. But then like on TBS or, TNE, or, or, or TNT, like Turner just played it 24 hours straight for so many years that I've seen it so many times that it's just like. I absolutely fucking hate this movie. I've been lucky like, enough I, I that I only it. have seen bits and pieces of it. I've seen the the licking licking the pole scene where his tongue gets stuck. I've seen you know the, you'll shoot your eye out with it. You know the line for with wanting him to get the the gun, but I've never seen the full movie and don't really plan on seeing the whole the full movie. I know it's probably someone there. There's probably people out there. It's their favorite movie, but just doesn't really interest me. Nah, Christmas vacation got a beat. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, with, with this, um, not only is it like nostalgia and, and stuff like that, but um, I was thinking about it and I was like, a Christmas story came out in like 1983 or something like that. Like so, sometime in the early 1980s. And it's telling the story of a kid in the 40s or 50s. And I was like, holy shit. Like they're telling a story that's like 30 to 40 years in the past. And then I was like, but the NES, I was like, oh my god, it's it's almost forty it, years old. And, and the movie, they they do a they at least on Wikipedia, they're establishing it's nineteen eighty eight, so that is thirty three years in the past. That, my god, Dave, we're old man. Now I, I know I was. I mean, I was two in nineteen. I was four. So. But when when I you know played my NES, I remember being four years old yep. in 1990 playing NES. Like I I used to play Chip and Dale in, Rescue Rangers. I used to play the Turtles game, and I always died when I had to do the underwater mission. Where oh I had to my disarm God, the all the Turtles bombs. Game in the basement <laughs> with our our blanket fort. My my brother and sister and I would play the crap out of out of Mario's Super Mario One, Super Mario Three. Played two a bit as well. Um, but yeah, I used to love walking around aimlessly in Zelda and just killing enemies. I probably didn't beat the original legend for Zelda until I was probably about like 10 or 12 years old. I didn't play legend of Zelda until much later in life. That was never 
my brother it was my my, technically it was for all three of us but my brother was the predominant user of the nes because i was way too young my sister was like it was my dad's like that's yeah like that was my dad's gaming system so like the way i have like i have ps5 and xbox and stuff like that my dad had had the nes like and i it's so weird for me to like think about that now that like that my at one point my dad was a guy who sat around and played video games (laughs) mine did not so it was amazing that we actually got video game systems as kids because if uh if if it wasn't probably for my brother we would never have had them (laughs) i still remember vividly it it was my fourth birthday and i was at my i was at my grandmother's house because she used to watch me in the summers uh when when we weren't in school and stuff like that and my it might have been my fifth birthday but either way i remember my dad coming in to to my grandmother's kitchen and it was my birthday and him pretending like like he forgot and stuff like that and I, I went to go give him a hug and stuff like that. And there was something hard under his shirt. And he lifts under his shirt. And that's when I got my my Turtles, my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. And I was obsessed with the Turtles. And I remember, like, being in the car ride home, like, flipping through the manual over and over and over. Because it's only a 15-minute drive. But I couldn't wait to get home to I plug it in. I think the Turtles game is probably dinner. the first game I've ever rage quit. Oh, oh God, I rage quit that. I rage quit that game so many times. I finally beat it. I remember. I remember beating it, and I remember like that sad feeling of beating a game and just being like, "Now what?" And I didn't play the <laughs> NES until probably eighty nine, ninety. So later in its lifetime, a little bit before the SNES came out. And so yeah, the the turtle. I I don't remember exactly which turtles game it was, but it was one. It was probably the the, the hardest turtles game on the NES, which I think is second yeah, one. Yeah, that was the first, first one. one. Yeah, uh, that, that was part of the first one because Turtles in Time was more of like the side scrolling beat 'em up. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. The one I'm thinking of yeah. is the one where you have like the overworld, and then all the yes, all the levels are like in the sewers. That's Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles, and I remember the front cover. Uh, I was very confused as a kid because all the turtles ha- were green and they had red bandanas. Um, even though they all had their correct weapons, they 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 didn't have they they weren't you know red, blue, orange, purple, um, and that confused me because the only thing I was familiar with of the turtles was the was the 1990 movie and the cartoon that was that I watched on TV where they were all very different characters. But you know, back in the comics. They were black and white, and they all had red bandanas. So over their eyes, <laughs> every single one of them. But anyway, eight bit Christmas—that's what we're yes. talking about. <laughs> talking about this movie, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's it's, it's certainly um, it's only an hour and a half. You know, it, you don't come out yeah. at the end thinking, "Why did I watch this movie?" Uh, it's it's, but it's definitely something that you know, if you're bored, give it a watch. You'll you'll probably yeah. feel plenty of '80s kid nostalgia. I was say it's if if anything like it'll make an aging gamer just like. Look back and be like, man, we really did have good times back in the day. And also, doing everything without parent supervision was just a, was just allowed back in the eighties and nineties. It was, in fact, it was encouraged. Go outside, go play with your friends, and, go and, do and something. It's, it's like cool. It's definitely one of those films where it's full of those um, those tropes that are in these kind of movies. Like you have the the you know MPH is the whole thing starts as him telling his his daughter who wants a a phone for Christmas about yeah. like about what his his most prized gift for Christmas that he wanted to get. And um that it definitely benefits a lot from the cast though, I think. Uh 
you have NPH as the as the main character as an adult, um, a new actor named Winslow Fegley as uh, the young version of NPH's character, and then you have the parents of NPH's yeah, parents. Yeah, Steve Zahn. I, I don't know yeah, how many, I thought I, I thought the parents were great. I don't know how many times I've seen Steve Zahn and stuff where I was never expecting to see him and I and every time I see him I go, Hey, it's <laughs> the guy from that thing you do because that's all I can remember until I remember, oh yeah, his name is Steve Zahn. Uh and then And like one of the things that sort of, like kinda caught me on a left field was like it has a surprisingly emotional ending that is like a nice payoff. And I was like, I wasn't expecting that either. Because um, they were like setting up this relationship between the kid and the dad, um, but like you didn't know that they were setting it up until like the ending happened, and then you looked back, and I was like, uh, yeah, they were actually setting this up like the whole time, and I I missed it. Yeah. I was focusing on on the whole hunt for the NES and stuff like that, and that's the there's a moral. There's a fucking and what Christmas movie doesn't have a moral, right? And and uh, well, I mean, obviously we're in spoiler territory now, but well, like I the, didn't I didn't say the, no. I mean, I didn't. I just said it has an emotional ending. I didn't say what happened. So oh, okay, so we're not gonna not gonna talk spoilers. Yeah, not gotcha. spoilers. And the mom. Uh, I don't. I didn't know her name at the time, but I'm like, I've seen her somewhere. I know. I know she looks familiar. So I googled her, and I'm like, okay, I know the actress's name now. And then I saw she's married to Paul Shear, the guy from the League. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is a small world where these where are these actors come out of left field. But yeah, the movie was the movie was great. I'll be honest. And, I thought she was uh, Whitney Cummings enough. until I looked her up. So yeah, I, I don't I, I don't remember exactly where I first have seen her, but I looked at her her uh, filmography and I'm like I've seen her in quite a few things. So it was uh, one of those things where I'm like, hey, I know her. I don't know where from though. <laughs> uh, but I'll say one thing. I have one. Um, problem i have and it's not so much with just this movie but it's like a a trope that movies seem to come back to a lot at least especially movies that are set in this time this time frame like the 70s and 80s why does every bully have to look like some gross looking kid who's missed like five grades yes he looks like he looks like a reject from the cast of the oblongs if you uh, guys remember that animated show like with will ferrell playing he should be in the goonies yes like he should be he should be uh the 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 creature from the goonies i'm like what sloth, where do yeah. they come up with these ideas sloth, you yes. guys. Hey, you guys. But, uh, but yeah, and yeah, uh, but, uh, more power to the actor who played him. Like he, he did, he did what was written on paper. <laughs> uh, he had he was a, generic eighties boy. And I, and I looked him up, and he's like, he's like eighteen. I'm like, yeah, that that tracks because he pro- he probably is meant to be like fourteen or fifteen. In he the, was held back in a the few years. Movie. Yeah, yeah. He held back quite a few years. So, uh, Zach, yeah, what's your score for it, man? When we score things here on the show, we do it uh, from. A to F, you know, you're you're doing it like it's like it's school, so you know, pluses, minuses, whatever you want to throw in there. I'll give it a a a B. All right, yeah, I'm I'm right about there. I'm I'm probably like about a B B minus. Yeah, I'm at a B minus for it. I there was there was a ton yeah. of enjoyment that I that I got out of it, and I I I will say that like maybe if I had watched this on my own, I might not have enjoyed it as much. But I watched it with my daughter, and uh, my wife started watching it with us, but she fell asleep. But my daughter stayed awake and watched it like the entire <laughs> time, and she was pretty gleeful like by the end of it, and she's even asked. Like when I come over this weekend, can we watch that again? And I was like, sure. So whether I want to or not, I'm going to have to watch it again. <laughs> so, all right, man. But uh, we're, we're running a little bit long. And uh, the whole point 
that I got you on here is that I wanted to do a trailer park breakdown for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. So let's get ourselves into that right now. Cut the beat and let the music play. No trailer park. Shout out to Dave and Jay. I don't serve, but there's a new way. We've been on since God saved the right stop. I don't want to flow until I know that the bass drop. All right, so Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, when that came out a couple years ago, I remember being like pretty excited for it because I, I love the character of Miles Morales. And I know like from talking to other people, they're like, ah, it's kind of weird, right? Like we got this whole Tom Collins Spider-Man thing, but now we're also doing this other thing and stuff like that. Like what's what's Sony's game here? And I think, I think it was just a way to kind of introduce people to the Miles Morales character and get people comfortable with it because long game, Tom Holland cannot play Spider-Man forever. And he's even gone on to say now that if he's 30 years old, still playing Peter Parker, then he's doing something wrong. So obviously right. Sony w- w- wants this character to be successful and they put all the cards in the right hands because Lord and Miller were the ones behind it who obviously have struck, you know, gold in the past with, with, with films, uh, you know, particularly like the Lego movie is what really like everyone's like, man, Lord and Miller, you know, so, they're so, so fantastic and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, the, the movie went on to great critical praise. I don't think it made a ton in the box office, but it had great critical praise and, uh, it got, I believe it won the Academy Award or was nominated for Best Animated Film the year it came out. And then on top of that, it had such long legs on streaming services. I mean, it might still be on Netflix now, but it's on Netflix forever. And I know people who, who you know, are, are just on the lighter shade of nerdy who finally checked it out and were like, that was really, really good. And I was like, right? I know. So yeah. like Yeah, it actually did it actually did win the best animated feature. All right, good. It and it made it. 375 million in the box office, which for an animated movie is killer. pretty dang it's killer. good. It's killer. So it's it's no surprise that they're obviously going to be coming out with this sequel. Um I just don't think I was expecting a trailer or information for it to drop so close to to Spider-Man No Way Home. And then I remembered the first time we saw anything for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it was, um, I th- believe, like after the credits for, for, for a Spider-Man movie. And if you stayed after the credits, you saw the scene where Miles saw the Jake Johnson, older version of Peter Parker, in right. the... In the uh, in the cemetery looking at Peter Parker's grave. And then we got the whole sequence of them doing the train chase and stuff like that. And uh, you, you, you kind of got the feel for, for the aesthetic of it, the, the hand drawn nature of it, the very comic book feel for it, but also the comedy of it and stuff like that. But also that they could really tell a Spider-Man story in animated form and still make it just as, just as meaningful as as when they do it with with Tom Holland or Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield and stuff like that. And um, it, but the added humor, I think, also is something that is always kind of lacking in Spider Man in Spider Man movies. You know, I sure they, they fit in humor here and there, but this felt the most like reading a Spider Man comic, where it's like, you know, you can they, as Spider Man, especially starting out, he couldn't get anything right. Everything was was right. not going his way, and this very much felt like that for me. But also, like I think, out of any other Spider-Man media that's ever come out besides the comic books, this 
Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse got to the core of what it means to be Spider-Man. And it no, no other movie had done that. No other movie had really explained the character in the way that Into the Spider-Verse does. Um, and it has one of the best Stanley cameos a, as well. So, And you see a Spider-Man that doesn't have to fit the the mold that Peter Parker has been establishing for 40 plus exactly. years. He has his parents. He he still has his his uh, problems of, you know, acclimating to his powers when he right. gets them. And they are somewhat different than Peter. And he does have he the, has, the, the death of an the, uncle and an earnest moment. So, yeah, yeah. So and and it's and it's an important character for comic book fans, especially people of color comic book fans, because it's finally a a major character that looks like that. Absolutely. And that was that was huge even back in the 2000s. I remember when Miles was distinctly getting into an argument with a friend who was very upset that they that that Peter Parker was dead. And he he stopped reading comics long before uh, long before Miles Morales was was even a thing. He stopped reading comics and he read like an online article that was just like, you know, Peter Parker's dead. Meet your new Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And he was like, that's bullshit. They kill off Peter Parker so they can make this so, so they can make this kid like and they can be more inclusionary and stuff like that. And, and, and he's just like, but it's bullshit that you have to you have to kill a character so that you can push this character up. And I was like, whoa, bro. First off, you're showing a little bit of racism here. Secondly. It's in the Ultimate Universe, not in yeah, 616. it's not even the main Peter it's Parker. It's The main Peter Parker is still alive. <laughs> He's just fine. And now they've crossed over and those, those universes have melted. And Miles Morales is in the 616 universe. And I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And I love the inclusion of, of the rest of the Spider-Man characters because I, I, I do enjoy Spider-Gwen. I have the Spider-Man noir comic books. Spider-Ham is always fun. Yeah. Um, and so like I've, I was familiar with all these versions of Spider-Man, so I was very excited. Now when I get to see this trailer, I'm getting that, that type of excitement all over again because we're going to get Goosebumps. a whole new like set of Spider-Man you know, uh, Elseworlds essentially characters and uh, man, I, I let's just let's just start breaking it down. Every time I'm leaving on you, you don't make it easy. No. Miles. I could be Miles. Miles. You got a minute? Oh. Oh. Yes, I cannot fucking wait for this movie. Uh, but just to start breaking it down, uh, they the, the way this starts is it picks up exactly where they left off in Spider-Man 
into the Spider-Verse with, with Gwen talking to him while he's laying in bed. The only difference is when that happened in the last movie, he was laying in his dorm room, not in his room at home. So, and they very clearly both look somewhat older. Her hair is a little bit longer, uh, but he has definitely aged up at least one to two years. So it seems like, essentially they've had these visits multiple times. She's been able to, to look at him. And when she comes down into his room, if you look at her wrist, she's wearing something on her wrist. That's very similar to what we saw Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099 put on at the end of into the spider verse in the postcard scene for into the spider verse. Uh, so apparently this wrist device that she's using is what allows her to travel through the dimensions. And some, force something in i'm assuming it's going to be miguel o'hara that causes them to go into the multiverse but then he'll explain to them you know what he is doing traveling through the multiverse and the villain that he is facing um and we'll do some speculation on who the villain is towards the end i thought that that was really cool um that you know especially when he goes into the the multiverse did you notice that it was all hexagons that he was flying through yeah that was interesting because yeah. uh, in guardians of the galaxy when they when they when they warp jump when they jump through uh you know when they jump through space and stuff like that it's hexagons they go through uh the shape of of the of the curse the hex that that scarlet witch was using in wandavision was uh was a hexagon a hex and stuff like that so it seems like it's staying very consistent with stuff that's going on in the mcu also i think aesthetically it's more pleasing than um than circles kind of makes you wonder if uh if disney's letting sony weave in some connections to the mcu to potentially maybe bring a live action mile yeah i mean i previously i've been saying a lot that i thought that sony would want to not continue the relationship with marvel because that's always kind of been their plan was to establish spider-man get the you know get the revenue for the fact that he's part of the mcu and then eventually take their ball go home and make their own universe out of him and stuff like that and i've been saying for all the spider-man no way home trailers and stuff that that's why this no way home thing's going on is because it's a way to write peter parker out of the mcu um but from what I understand, quietly um, and not so loudly as previously, they've they've essentially agreed to continue working together, MCU. Uh, so yeah. so he will be the Spider-Man moving forward, and apparently they have three more Spider-Man movies coming. Um, and Tom Holland will reportedly be involved with those, and that's the words they use: involved. How involved? I don't know. I, th- I think Sony sees the that the reaction to spider-man when he's connected to the to the disney side of marvel is better than when they try to do their own lone wolf thing like they tried that for a while and it wasn't working you know they've even tried it with the venom movies and you know to an extent it's worked in some ways to an extent it's it's not worked in other ways and so tying that back in i think is going to uh boost the the excitement for the sony involved movies absolutely rather than um make them you know just oh sony trying to do their own yeah. thing yeah and i think like you know it's 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 something very minor that like a lot of fans are jumping onto this like hexagon thing but also like it's just nice to to, to see something like that because then you it even if miles morales this version of miles morales or any version of miles morales never merges with with the with the mcu and stuff like that at least like in our own head canon, we can 
we can just say like, yeah, he's Spider-Man yeah. of, of this universe, right? I mean, Miguel O'Hara is Spider-Man of 2098, and Tom Holland is in the 616 universe, as, as they're calling the MCU. So, you know, it's it, it, we, we can always in our own headcanon. He's, he's there, and he can be there. Uh, one of the cool things that I thought in the background, like, so in Miles' room, there's a ton of, like, cool little Easter eggs and callbacks, but the thing that caught my eye the most was the Spider-Mobile, the Spider-Buggy on his shelf. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was an Easter egg in the in the first movie as well when they go into his underground bunker and stuff like that, and he saw the, he saw the Spider-Mobile. And uh, if you are a fan of Old Man Logan, the original one, uh, where him and a blind age and a blind old man Hawkeye essentially go across the, the country driving in the spider-mobile <laughs> so, yeah cool little cool little easter egg that they had that they throw in there and then uh when gwen is flipping through his drawings and stuff she comes across a drawing of herself and there in the bookmark as a bookmark for it is the bus ticket that him and peter parker purchased when they were driving to the um to kingpin's facility that was that was run by by that universe's dr octopus live octavius so yeah he, he kept that because that's kind of like the first time he really got to meet gwen um so i thought that, that was i thought that was pretty cool but after they they go through the the hexagons and they go they, they start universe jumping uh the animation changes and now Miles is far more animated than than he was even in his own universe. It's very stylistic. Like there's a big change, and it does look like they're in the 928 universe. They're in Miguel O'Hara's universe because once they arrive, Miguel O'Hara is essentially was is attacking Miles Morales. But I wanted to focus on that animation change because Lord and Miller in an interview said like you know this time. It's not everybody coming to Peter's universe. It's him going to their universes. And there is going to be aesthetic changes throughout. So they are going to change animation styles with each different universe that they go into. And we've already got confirmation that, you know, Jake Johnson is going to return as his uh his peter parker God, i hope him and his peter b parker i hope i hope him and uh, mary jane have gotten back together i really hope so yeah <laughs> and we've also got confirmation that we're going to see spider woman jessica drew yes so we may see her universe and that they're also going to be having um the japanese spider-man as they call him from the 1978 Japanese. yes Jap- uh, I, I heard Japan and then series and then there's appearing. also uh uh picard um but no it's uh it's i can't remember his name it's patrab uh Pekabar, and he is I, I i i'm probably butchering that name but i don't i don't really feel like looking it up right now i'm sorry but he was spider-man india and in the first teaser that they did for it well uh, it was it was miles spider-man symbol the spray-painted spider with the circle around it and it was changing colors and stuff like that and one of the colors that it changes to is the colors of the indian flag right. so uh, in 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 one of the versions of uh, Spider-Man that they made, there was a Spider-Man of India, and he has a really cool costume. So I kind of like look forward to that. So, you know, the, you know, last time the the characters came to him, and Lord and Miller in their interview essentially said like, yeah, he'll meet some old friends and stuff like that, but he's also <laughs> going to meet a whole bunch of new Spider-Man, you know, affiliates, yeah, you know, Spider-Man from from other universes, and. I would absolutely love the Spider-Man from Japan because I that is one of my favorite versions of of Spider-Man. Not 
not to like sit down and enjoy, but just the fact that it exists, right? Like the fact that like Japan was in love with like the costume of Spider-Man, the idea of Spider-Man, but they knew that Spider-Man isn't something that would sell in their country. So they made him essentially like the original Power Ranger. <laughs> right. And he's, 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 he's yeah, got a Zorg. They, <laughs> yeah. The tra- the trailer looked amazing and I, I'm, very happy with you know the stylistic choices they're making making each universe kind of look somewhat different and it seems like they're they're spending a lot of uh, they're spending a lot of time on it like normally you know an animated movie could be made and technically made in a year but you know they've been working on this for the past like ever since uh the first movie was done and the first movie was released they've been working on this one so they've been taking their time making it uh, as best as it possibly can be. And yeah, we have till October 7th next year to wait for it. So there's even more time for them to, to polish. Yeah, it it was originally supposed to come out in April of 2022, but pandemic caused it to be pushed back. Yep. But you know, that's, I think, I think that's fine because you know, we'll we'll get like an entire, almost an entire year to like come down off the high of Spider-Man no way home and then start, you know, getting in, getting into this as well. Um, Now, yeah, I, I look I look forward to like seeing um, I'm hoping that they, they you know they, they get like uh, like spider punk in there or or silk uh, silk's a cool character as well um, you know they they, they, they managed to fit so many characters into the first one in, 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 in like interesting ways and stuff like that and, and this time like there, there doesn't have to be you know the setup that they did for the last one right like where everyone got their own comic book intro and stuff like that and and we got like a brief right. history of them and stuff like that this time he's going to them so i don't think the burden's going to really be on them to like explain who they are and i'm kind of like looking forward to just jumping in instead of instead of having each character like explain to me i i just look forward to just jumping in and just going with it like whatever type of spider-man you throw at me like I'm going to take it. Yeah, and, and Amy Amy Pascal at Sony has already said, you know, hey, we're going to do a spinoff with you know just the just the girls yes. with Gwen Stacy, Jessica Drew, uh, potentially um, uh, the one character from the first movie, the um, the mech. Um, blanking on her name. Right I, now. I keep wanting to say it's Arcana, um, right? Yeah, Ar- yeah, Ar- Ar- something like that. And but they also said I think that might be a different Silk character was going to be in it. Yeah. So I could see them introducing Silk in this, even in in like a very brief scene, and then she becomes a full time character in the spinoff. So obviously Miguel O'Hara is not our main villain, right? He's just a catalyst that's going to get us there and stuff like that. You have to do it in a superhero movie where two superheroes, when they meet, of course, they're going to fight each other. But then, of course, they have to team up to save each other, essentially. You know, Batman and Superman, you know, they they have to have a Martha moment. (laughs) And uh, so who would they be going after? Who, like, what Spider-Man villain is able to jump through different universes and stuff like that. And I was thinking like, well, maybe this universe's version of like Kang the Conqueror or even like on Mephisto and stuff, but I'm sick of talking about Mephisto. I'm sick of hearing about Mephisto. Yeah, every, no, d- let's not, every, let's not add that. Every fan theory boils just, down to Mephisto yeah. somehow, some yes, way, it and it never pans out. I mean, it eventually will. Don't get me wrong. It eventually will. But um, I like, I think, I think like they focused on, a lot of like smaller characters, a lot of smaller villains in the first one. Like other than Kingpin and and Green Goblin, who you only get briefly in that first movie. Like the the villains they're fighting are like Scorpion and Prowler, and like these these are not like big 
Spider-Man villains. They're they're known Spider-Man villains, but they're not big. Um, so I I was reading a bunch of of like ideas, and obviously I think at some point they're all going to meet Madam Web. I think that's that that's that would that would be perfect. I, you know, just to kind of connect it back to the Spider Verse. Exactly, comics. and 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 the nineteen ninety three animated series because. Madam Web in the later seasons, like she's the one that introduced Peter Parker to the fact that there's a, a wide universe of Spider-Man out there and that he can tap into it um, with with her help. And I'm assuming that at some point we're going to get to that. It might even be something that's towards the end of this first movie or, or post credit scene. But the the character that that I keep coming to for for Peter Parker is is a guy whose powers work almost like Cloak from Cloak and Dagger, um, where he can kind of teleport himself by using a a negative zone that allows him to pass from one universe into another um, or from one place in in time to another or one part of the world to another. And it's it's the villain Spot or Jonathan Ohm. So he was actually a scientist who was studying Cloak and the powers that Cloak had and attempted to recreate them. And when he passed through the portal that he made, he was imbued with these powers and now is able to essentially throw a spot on the ground, jump through it and come out on the other side. And it's very possible that he's able to teleport through multiple dimensions using this power. And if you're like Spot, that doesn't sound like it's it's a big villain. I think Spot would probably be working for someone higher than him like a kingpin type level character. And I don't know quite who that would be. It might even be the kingpin himself again. Yeah. Maybe a different, even a different version even of a different him. Version. Not the, uh, yeah. not the, the Sinkevich version that we got in the first movie. It could be more, um, maybe even a, uh, a race changed kingpin, maybe even a Michael Clark Duncan like kingpin. Oh yes. <laughs> go back to your, go back to your, uh, Michael Clark Duncan reference. It could, could be. Give me your Never hands, know. boss. <laughs> Give me your hands. <laughs> hey, I miss him. I do miss him. I do miss him. Although his, his kingpin was, was a bit hokey. Uh, I don't care. And, I like And it. I do prefer him in roles like, like, like he was in Green but Mile. When you but see, when you see Michael Clark Duncan fighting a superhero, like, to me, it seems more likely that he's able to kick ass more so than like Vincent D'Onofrio's version of him or like any version that we've seen of him in like animated. Like, you know, he sure he's he's big and imposing, but like he was big and he was like, like cut up like he was ripped. And I was like, damn. And in the comics, when the Kingpin doesn't have his suit on, like, you know, there's rippling muscle underneath the, those layers of fat and they, they, they've always right. drawn it that way. Um, but I think the biggest surprise of this trailer, the thing that that got me the most geeked about it was that it shows you Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and then at the bottom in spray paint part one. And I was like, what? There's going to be a part two. And I got to assume. Yeah, that that little disappointed me because I'm like, we're only going to get half the story and I'm going to have to wait a whole nother year for the other half. But they did say that they're, they're doing them both together. Yes. So it may not be as big of a, you know, we get, Part one in October 2022. Maybe part two will be sometime April, May 2023. We'll have to wait a couple months. Yeah, that's. I'm assuming that's I'm it's going to be within within a year. It's 
it's going to come out. Yeah. I think they're going to do like a, you know a Deathly Hallows type thing where I think I think the first uh, Deathly Hallows came out in like November December of one year and then finished right. up in spring summer of the following year. And I think yeah. it's probably going to be very very similar to that. Um, but it it does kind of like man, I'm I'm going to be like oh, I'm going to leave that theater just being like, but I need to know. But I need. I want the end. Know. I want the rest. And yeah, I, I'm going to be the same way. You know, I'm, I'm wondering also with like Miles being more established and stuff like that. I, I, I have no doubt that they'll be able to fit in those the the feels that they that they were in the first one. Like God, that moment where his dad is like in the first movie is knocking on his door and he's like all taped up and stuff like that and he's talking to him about this spark that he feels inside of him and stuff like that. And I was like, God damn it man that fucking got me like the whole father-son relationship and then of course the stuff what it means to be spider-man and then living up to a legacy and stuff like that and then of course the ultimate thing making a legacy your own um like that that like all those themes and stuff like that which is why i say like i think they did spider-man better than anyone else has done spider-man and it's why it's my favorite spider-man movie and i'm so looking forward to this sequel and i'm very happy that you know, to steal a line from the first movie, that Sony has taken a leap of faith with this series. Yeah, and and the the, the writer they got for this one is interesting because this is the same guy that wrote Shang-Chi, which was a great movie. Wrote Mortal Kombat, this year's Mortal Kombat, which is not a bad, wasn't, you know, it was exactly what us Mortal Kombat fans I wanted. liked it. I still but like the I original at, one better. But then I but... look at his other, uh, his other credits, he wrote uh, Doom, the doom movie <laughs> which i guess i i can't really um can't really uh blame him for that uh there was a lot of problems with that movie he wasn't given a lot to work with uh, either, was and, he? and he uh co- co-wrote wonder woman 1984 which was not a was great, movie. great movie hit a little but, little hit uh, miss there uh, i don't i don't blame any writers or anything for 1984 i don't even blame i don't even blame uh, lord and miller are going to be co-writing it with him so you know he he he'll be doing a lot of the the grunt work and then they'll be polishing it up and making it like hopefully just like into the spider verse yeah and they're 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 back as producers and i believe um i mean this this has a whole slew of directors i mean uh, it does yeah. yeah you got you got joaquin dos santos kemp powers uh justin k thompson um and i believe the original one though I believe that one was directed by Phil Lord, if I'm not mistaken. It was directed by Bob Preschetti, Peter Ramsey, okay. and Rodney Rothman. Okay, so uh, uh, a, a crew of directors in, for the, uh, which is which uh, it's not uncommon for animated movies to have multiple, yeah, especially if they're probably using multiple animation studios exactly. to be doing the movie, so that they can get the work done uh, in the different styles a lot quicker. Um, and the fact that it's computer animated, you know, you're going to need multiple directors, multiple people over, overlooking everything. Um, I'm looking very much towards it. It's going to be a very busy year for Miles Morales in 2022, because also in 2022, yeah. we are getting Sony's follow up to the the Spider-Man on PS4 and the Miles Morales uh, that came out when PS5 launched. So we're getting a follow up game to those two. Um, with a brand new Spider-Man featuring both of them, where you get to play as both characters. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to find I'm gonna have to find a way to get a PS5 for that game because 
I don't have a PS5. I believe it's still uh, it'll still be cross platform. You'll still be able to get it for PS4. Oh, is that one going to yeah. be on PS4? Oh, that, that'll be that'll make me happy. And I know the same studio is working on the Wolverine game too, which I'm excited. Yes, for. that's not slated until like 23, 2023 or twenty twenty four. So that that's a yeah, little ways. That'll out. definitely be a PS5 exclusive. Yes. Uh, so, um, uh, like it's gonna be a very busy year for Miles Morales, and then also. He might even bookend. He might even, you know, be at the end of 2021. If a lot of people's rumors are to be believed that he's going to show up at some point in Spider-Man No Way Home. I think that's stretching it it's a little bit. I think there's, so, there's going to be so many cameos in No Way Home that adding Miles into the mix is going to be. We don't want to. We don't want a repeat of Spider-Man Three where there's too many, too many characters. I've been asking people this, right? Um, so I'll ask you because asking Jay never really works out uh but i'll ask you this we we know of five villains that are in there right lizard sandman green goblin um dr octopus and electro who's the sixth who's the who who completes the sinister six and a lot of people a lot of people have said like spider-man spider-man is the because he's going to wind up helping all the villains it's him trying to get them all back spider-man becomes the sixth member of the sinister six i was like i don't yeah, like that he could i don't like that um that would be That'd be an interesting one. Yeah, a lot of people um, think Venom is going to show up. Tom Hardy is going to show up and be the sixth member. Some people think that because of the conversation between um, between Michael Keaton and the Scorpion at the end of Homecoming. I think Scorpion's going to be the one. Yeah, I, 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 why have Matt Gargan in a in a Spider-Man movie? Really throw people for a loop. Having him have Matt Gargan Scorpion. show up and then have. Have the the Venom symbiote leave Eddie Brock oh, and attach to yeah. Matt Gargan. What? Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing that, that happened in crazy. the comics. Uh, but uh, I, I also it could be the Vulture. Um, but I actually really really want Jake Gyllenhaal to come back as Mysterio and for Mysterio to be like, yeah, that was my Plan C when when Plan A failed and I went to Plan B and then you fucked that up. I still had Plan C, brother. Let's let's not forget that I made barf and I'm pretty smart. So uh, I I yeah. faked my own death and here I am. I didn't, you know, I made all this happen. And I would be like, or they could they could throw us a total curveball and bring uh bring Carnage in. No, no, I think Carnage is. <laughs> I think they wasted Carnage, and I said that in my review. Like they absolutely wasted Carnage. Um, it, it, he he's gone already. You know, gone too soon. Now, granted, Carnage is a little bit more powerful than Venom, and all he needs is one cell of him to remain. To, uh, to to grow back. It'll just take years to happen. But I don't think Woody Harrelson's ever going to want to come back for it. So if you ever bring Carnage back, you're probably going to do it without the Cletus Cassidy version of himself. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I think the far more likely ver- the things are like you get Michael Keaton coming back uh, and you get um, or, or you get Mysterio coming back to be the sixth one. I think right. having Tom Hardy jump in as the final member of the Sinister Six is it's it's just too much of a neat bow, and also that end credit scene for Venom was actually filmed long after No Way Home had already wrapped its principal photography. So, all right, so that's gonna do it for Super Movie Bros this week. I want to thank all you guys for listening. Uh, most like, I don't know. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Is there anywhere that people can find you? I mean, you don't have a Twitch stream. You're not on a podcast. Um, no, not not a not really a. A, anything to plug uh, just glad to be on the podcast glad to have a conversation about 
uh, things that you and I both equally like. Yeah, the fun nerdy shit that we got coming out. Uh, of course, uh, you can reach us at all the links that are going to be in the description. If you're enjoying the show, leave it a review at a place. You know, I, I don't like to say the name because I'm not a fan of the app anymore, but it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, I listen to <laughs> my podcast on Spotify, and you should too. Uh, or you know, find a different. Me app. too. Find a different app. Um, good Pods is another good one. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places that aren't Apple. Uh, because uh, Apple has hidden us from the world. <laughs> we used to we used to be on 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 pages where people could find us, and now we've been hidden by all the celebrity podcasts that are out there, and that's just fine. We all love our celebrities; they are our American royalty, and we should kiss their feet as they walk down red carpets. So have a great one. Cheers. Cheers.